Hello, friends. Welcome to Leadosophy, here with an open mind, because that's the rule, not the exception. Part two of Leadosophy's discussion on this crazy topic of formal leadership training. I guess we could also dub it as informal leadership training talk as well, because we kind of discuss both methods. I think the I think of the formal leadership training as that hands-on experience, that trial and error you're getting while you're immersed in, in leadership positions or aspiring to a leadership position when you're observing others. Hundreds of years ago, there were no formal leadership courses that I know of, but yet leadership was still happening. That is an assumption. I don't think just because we didn't have formal leadership courses 100 years ago or 200 years ago, that leadership wasn't still going on. I think leadership's been going on for, for centuries, millennia. So what of these formal leadership courses? I got a document I'm going to cover today, and we're going to discuss a few other assumptions and really a lot of questions Leadosophy has for anyone listening, followers aspiring to be leaders, leaders within an organization, within a community, small business, medium-sized business. Curious to hear your thoughts? Let Leadosophy know what you think. Let's get to it. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, friends, welcome back to Leadosophy. I'm going to start out, start out with a passage from a book titled The End of Leadership, written by Barbara Kellerman. Highly recommend this book if you are interested about kind of demystifying leadership, maybe knocking leadership back a peg or two as far as glorification, the hero worship. Barbara Kellerman walks through this, this historical narrative of how we've glorified leaders from all the way back to the to the gods and goddesses up until present day. And she I think she puts more of a focus on on followership and again just tries to tamper the ego of of leadership in general. It's a great book. Barbara Kellerman writes for all the large sums of money invested in the leadership industry and for all the large amounts of time spent on teaching leadership, learning leadership and studying leadership. The metrics are mostly missing. There is scant evidence, objective evidence, to confirm that this massive, expensive 30-plus-year effort has paid off. To the contrary, much more often than not, leadership development programs are evaluated according to only one subjective measure, whether or not participants were satisfied with the experience. But of course, even if they were, this does not prove the program had the impact it wanted or intended. In fact, the opposite might be true. It could be that most satisfied participants were those who changed the least. That's pretty powerful stuff. She goes on to say, as a whole, the leadership industry is self-satisfied, self-perpetuating, and poorly policed. That leadership programs tend to proliferate without objective assessment. That leadership is an area of intellectual inquiry remains thin. And that little original thought has been given to what leader learning in the second decade of the 21st century should look like. Again, highly recommend this book. I'll link it 
in the notes, both on YouTube and on the podcast. Formal leadership training. You can see on the screen, I have a graphic up there. It was put out by the Cognitive Fitness and Cognitive Fitness Consultancy based out of the UK. I'll also link this document in their website in the notes. I find it fascinating because they talk about five issues, five issues that pertain to why leadership programs or why leadership development fails. They write that worth more than $50 million globally, leadership development is big business. Good leadership is critical to organizational success and the mental and physical health of its employees. Leadosophy agrees. In 2018, only 7% of 500 global executives surveyed believed that their organization develops their global leaders, leaders effectively. This research reviewed more than a decade of academic and practitioner research to explore the reasons why leadership development fails. And they go on to talk about their fix, their solution, and then in the course of natural events, they have their own leadership consultancy program that they offer, which is quite fascinating. Actually, I was going there. The web- Check out their website. Again, I'll link it. Uh, they talk about authentic leadership, grounded kind of on trust with three pillars of self-awareness, ethics, and self-regulation. It's actually good stuff. I was going through it, and I don't know how much buy-in they get from, from their clients. I'm sure they're teaching this widely, I would assume. Maybe a terrible of assumption by leadosophy, but Leadosophy likes to be open with its assumptions. Leadosophy believes that assumptions drive a lot of our behaviors and decisions and, and just general thought. So it's good to be transparent on what my assumptions are. Again, I mentioned the in- intro. We went hundreds of years with no le- formal leadership training. So how did leadership continue during those periods of absent formal training? Where did the formal training come from? How did it start? What's its genesis? And and Barbara Kellerman actually walks through this in her book too, of how we have this global leadership training, this formal training has emerged in this huge business. And obviously everyone's looking to make a buck here and there. And I think it plays to the advantage of the consultants that leadership is can be kind of mystical at times. It's such a wide, wide area of focus, whether it's personality driven or skill driven. What is leadership? All these questions come up. How do we define leadership? And I'll talk about this a little bit through this graphic, but you know, another assumption we have here is that some leaders rise through the ranks without any formal leadership development whatsoever. Yet people see these leaders as effective. And then conversely, There are leaders out there who have gotten scores of formal leadership workshops under their belt, have attended many formal leadership trainings, and there are people that look at them as ineffective, whether it's above them or below them. Talked about the last episode that if you attend a leadership training six months down the road after this is over, let's ask your followers and see how effective that training was. Let's not ask you, the leader that attended the training, let's ask the followers and see if they, if you are someone they continue to aspire to follow. 
That might be one way to judge effectiveness. And again, we have this slippery idea of what's effective. What's effective leadership in one scenario may look completely different in another scenario, completely different across job skill sets, across organizations, across industries. This effectiveness is such a slippery term. How do we gauge the effectiveness of formal leadership training? And again, as Barbara Kellerman mentioned, it's pretty difficult, not a lot of objective standards. This topic of formal leadership training is epistemologically driven. I, I've brought up epistemology on other shows, epistemology being a subfield of philosophy. Epistemology is the theory of knowledge. How do we come to know what we know? The theory of knowledge. How do we learn leadership? How do we know we have knowledge of how to lead and how to manage? Where do we, where do we accumulate this knowledge from? If we take a class on leadership, do we now have more knowledge on how to lead? I would argue that it depends what the instruction is. If you are in, a, in an organization, let's say you're in a small organization, and you decide to go outside your organization to get formal leadership training, or maybe you bring in a consultant firm to provide formal leadership to your staff of 100 people, what is that formal leadership training going to look like? Are they going to gear that specifically to your organization, to your mission set, to the objectives that you want to accomplish, to the vision of the organization? Are they going to gear that training to your staff that you know what their purpose is, what drives them, what motivates them? How does an outside firm understand this? So how do they take this more general leadership program or curriculum and then apply it in the narrow sense? Is it effective? Maybe they can't do that effectively. The questions Leadosophy has. When is there simply just too much information to process? whether it be in a, in a formal class, in, a, in self-help books. Again, search for leadership books on Amazon. You'll get tens of thousands of results. Leadosophy believes that if you aspire to a leadership role and you are requesting formal leadership training or you want to know how to lead, how do you even know what questions to ask? How do you know who to look to for mentorship or guidance? I've talked about books in the past that have been written from the, from the lens of the quote-unquote successful CEOs of businesses. How many successful CEOs are possibly not getting the most from a humanistic standpoint out of their organization? How many people within the organization do not like the CEO, and maybe on a personal level, on a human level, but yet the CEO achieve, achieves results, achieves financial re results. And that's a big part of it. You know, it's the, it's the chicken or the egg. You got to have financial success to have employees initially and to continue to hire more employees to employ people. But yet to have financial success, it's the humans, the employees that are doing the work. So it's this interplay between taking care of your employees, achieving the mission. Can you do both and keep 
achieve both? Achieve success in both? Can you keep people happy and achieve the mission? Anyone who has been in a leadership role knows that is a very, very difficult task to keep the masses happy, to keep them joyful in their, in their work, prideful in their work, to keep the company culture from eroding into hate and discontent. You never make anyone, everyone happy. That's just a fact. It's impossible to do. I don't think there's any formal leadership curriculum out there that will say, we have created this leadership curriculum. Once we teach this to you, you will now be able to go out and keep everyone on your team happy. You will keep morale high. You know, they'll probably say we can increase your chances of increasing the percentages of people that might be happy, giving them God's uh, job satisfaction, things of those natures, helping trying to find what inspires people what drives that intrinsic motivation in, in your staff and your employees. Again, we go back to who defines effectiveness. How do we know the effectiveness of a formal leadership program? Again, we talk about, is it your boss? I've, I've talked a bit about this on other shows. Your boss defines effectiveness through formal counseling sessions, period reviews, mid-period reviews, annual reviews, your job will tell you, your boss will tell you whether or not you are effective. What if you're sitting in a formal, formal review session and your boss is telling you that you're not effective? You need some formal leadership training. And you're looking at this person saying, dude, if I'm not effective, you surely are not effective. How many people have had those conversations or had those thoughts, that movie playing in your mind when, you're receiving a performance review by someone that you deem ineffective. I'm going to go through this document here by, as I said before, the Cognitive Fitness Consultancy. So again, they talk about five issues of why leadership development fails. The first one, they say there is a problem with the way we conceptualize Leadership. We all have our own definitions of what leadership is and how to do it. And that is true. That is, that is absolutely a fact. It is a fact that there is no formal, universal, universally agreed upon definition of leadership. Back to epistemology of theory of knowledge. We accrue knowledge. We, our mind starts conceptualizing things to make things more simple on how we think about them. We, have, we, see, leaders, we see leaders in practice. We read leadership books. We take a formal workshop and we start accruing all these different concepts of leadership. Everyone's got their opinion. Leadosophy talks about leadership. There's thousands of other probably YouTube channels about leadership. Everyone's got their own point of view from their own unique experiences. Everybody's pushing a different narrative or similar narratives or just completely, completely different narratives that don't line up. But at the end of the day, anyone who's had leadership experience, whether it be in a one-on-one -on -one relationship, because you can't have leadership with, with only one person, or someone who's led an organization of 5,000 people, all those different experiences are different, and each one of those people in those positions are going to have a different view on it. How do you develop a, a leadership curriculum for that? 
What are you developing the curriculum to? A means to what? To what end? They go on to say that there are too many theories and models for leaders to remember and apply. There are a lot of leadership theories out there, academic leadership theories. I was 17, 18 years into my Coast Guard career before I had ever read a formal leadership theory. That's a long time. Was I less effective because I didn't know what leadership theories were formally? Was I less effective because I didn't understand my own leadership theory or how I led, the theory of why I lead like I do or what I'm relying on? Do I believe more that our traits, our personality traits make leadership or the leader effective or ineffective or our skill sets? I've talked about before, I firmly believe that mastery of craft and pursuit of technical competence is highly important in the world of leadership. Can you pursue competence in the, in the leadership realm, leadership competence, managerial competence? Can you master that or pursue the mastery of leadership and managerial competence? Whether that be through formal workshops, self-help books, whatever they might be. I think there's something different between, there's something intuitively different between trying to become a better leader technically and a and better technically your job skill set. There's something intuitive that those are not in alignment all the time. And I don't know what it is exactly. It must be the, the messiness of human relationships, the dynamic relationships that evolve in the workplace. Trying to coalesce a bunch of different personalities into one, one shared vision or one shared direction, getting everybody to pull together and go one way. My wife loves the metaphor of rowing. An eight-person rowing team all pulling together and in sync. It's a beautiful metaphor for, for leadership, teams working together. Easier said than done. I think my wife would agree that it's difficult to get everybody pulling in the same direction on a, on a rowing skull compared to trying to get eight members of the same team to get in the same direction and then sink. Maybe she wouldn't. On with, the, with this graphic here. They say there's no blueprint for success as a leader. There is no blueprint for success as a leader. If there's no blueprint for success, then how are we leading? What are we trying to achieve? I might argue, leadosophy might argue, that your blueprint for success might be organizational objectives. You tailor your blueprint towards those objectives and bringing everybody along in the same, same direction towards those objectives. And hopefully on the humanistic side, you create more pleasure than you do pain. I believe philosophically, deeply, that a lot of things in life, how we live, our purpose, come down to pleasure and pain. Are we causing pain or are we causing pleasure? From, a, from the humanistic standpoint of leadership, when we are leading a team of, of individuals in Project X or Y, 
Are we on the whole creating pleasure in that situation or are we creating pain? Is our personality disruptive? Is our personality antagonistic? Do we have too much ego? Are we overconfident? Are we not listening to other people? Those things will cause pain within the team. And conversely, we can think about other things that cause pleasure, a pleasurable team experience. Because you can achieve your team goal and it'd be a miserable experience for the team. And if you ask the team if you were an effective leader, what would they say? You might get answers all across the board. Tim was effective. We achieved our goal. But I I hated working with him. He was a terrible leader from a humanistic standpoint. Blueprint for success. What is success? How do we define it? Also goes with effectiveness. How do we define effectiveness? They go on to say on issue number one, the C-suite sets the tone for leadership in every organization, meaning that their styles predominate and filter downwards. I think about this as far as formal leadership courses and actually someone, uh, a friend of mine reached out to me. Uh, He is a federal employee. Shout out, Phil. He sent me the curriculum for a executive leadership course for the GS through GS, GS 11 through GS 13 uh, rankings in, in the, as a federal service. And my thoughts, when you go through this training for these executive leadership positions, you go through these formal workshops, it's very immersive, very hands-on. When you come back to your workplace and you try to apply this and your bosses aren't receptive, maybe they've never received the training. Their boss's bosses never received the training. What do you do with those skills that you learn? Do you try to just control your own sphere of influence? What if it's a demotivating atmosphere, an oppressive atmosphere, and no matter what skills you try to apply on a formal leadership scale as far as what you've learned, the people around you, the people that you are leading, are being demotivated by the atmosphere around them, not necessarily you. Was your formal leadership training effective? Was it successful? They go on to say that global and public leaders seem to be fundamentally flawed is another reason is why leadership development fails. Leadosophy has a problem with that. We're all human. We're all fundamentally flawed. I don't know exactly what this, what this organization is trying to, what their, what their meaning is by saying public leaders seem to be fundamentally flawed. Global leaders, I think they're going towards ethics. And if you look at their solutions, it's very ethics-based or largely ethics-based. Poor leadership continues to be rewarded, they go on to say. There's another reason why leadership development fails. I think we've all seen that. We've seen people achieve positions of leadership that, quite frankly, people just don't like being around. But maybe someone above them, they never actually have to be led by that person. So they say, this person's effective. He gets, gets the job done or she gets the job done. Let's put this person in a higher position of leadership. And then, of course, what happens is the bureaucracy grows. The organization gets bigger. It's the course of natural events. More managers are promoted. More leadership positions are created. Maybe people that are in managerial positions that don't have the technical competence to relate with the people they, they manage and they lead. Then you have other issues. They go on for issue number two. People's expectations of leaders has both changed, yet it has not changed. 
We still want heroic leaders to be warriors, rescuers, protectors. And yet we want compassion, authenticity, and love. I think there's some truth in that. You want the, you want the leader to be to have this perfect blend of, I've said it before, lead with an iron fist and a heavy heart. Those two polar, polar spectrums and everything in between. All leaders are human. They make mistakes. They have bad days. They come in to work irritated, agitated, angry, sad, confused, not knowing what direction they want to go in life. That's the expectations of leadership that might be, sometimes we, we might expect too much of the leader. Again, Barbara Kellerman, back to the book I was just talking about, The End of Leadership. Let's stop talking about leadership as this heroic thing. Leadership's a grind. There are a lot of people out there that will find themselves in a leadership position when they least expect it. And it's going to be organic. It's not because they were placed there by a manager or the CEO or the COO. It's because something failed. And this person was designated by their peers to fill the void and stop the bleeding. How many of you have been in that leadership situation? The organic, not the synthetic. Something went wrong and you had to step up or you just intuitively stepped up to get a project finished, to achieve some sort of result or some goal. You led that team and you had never had any desire to be a leader, let alone attend a formal leadership class or a workshop. But you got the job done and the people around you were better because of it. Those hands-on experiences that I think sometimes we devalue we try to cheapen the hands-on experiences for what? For what reason? Maybe it's we're trying to push this more formal leadership training stuff. Maybe that's the way we want to go. Maybe because it makes a buck. There's a lot of money involved in formal leadership training courses. Again, don't Google leadership books. Google leadership consultant, consulting. I mean, it'll blow your mind how, many, how much leadership consulting is out there. The authors of this graphic also say that we seemingly want the impossible. Intelligence, morality, ethical judgment, humility, courage, and many other virtues in the leader. Issue number three. There's a couple, a couple of these I'm, I'm skipping. Again, you can read the graph. I'll link it in the show notes. This is where they get into formal leadership development trainings. They say a vast majority of them are flawed. Point number one is learning application and habit change takes time. Most leadership development programs are days long, not weeks or years. They're just simply too short. And again, shout out to Phil. He sent me that that link to that executive leadership course put on by the federal government. And I think it was a nine-month course. It happens over the span of of nine months. And there's periodic workshops that you go to. I can't remember how, how often they were spread out. Some of, some of them that I were reading were five days long, I think. Leadership trainings are fragmented, a bit here, a course there, rather than holistic. 
and integrated with lived experience. What do we mean by lived experience? I work at a behavioral health clinic. And one of the programs, one of the mental behavioral health programs that we have, we have employees that have lived experience. They have gone through the mental health system. They have been a a recipient of services, or maybe they have a child that was a recipient of, of behavioral health and mental health services. So they then help families navigate through that process. I think that's leadership. I think they are leading families through challenging times, helping them find the strength and courage to to overcome the challenges. And for children in, in the mental health uh, service programs, it would be very difficult for the child to get through this. So again, we have employees that help them and navigate the, the obstacles through this program. So really, it's a, it's a brilliant program, very fascinating. But that's what we mean by lived experience. I think of formal leadership training put on for, for organizations or whatever it might be, the lived experience, or I don't know if they're talking here about the instructors. Maybe it's the lived experience of the instructors. Do they have a wide background in, in different leadership experiences? Are they effective leaders in their own right? However you want to define that. And they also say that leadership is seen as operational rather than strategic. Organizations pay for the now rather than investing in the future of their leaders for the longer term. I'm going to stop on those three issues. If you want to keep reading the graphic further, again, you can check the link out. I want to end this episode on some questions Leadosophy has thought about, pondered. Again, if you're out there, if you're within an organization that has a formal leadership program, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I would like to know if your formal, if your organization requires formal leadership training and what it looks like. Again, is it effective and how do you measure that effectiveness? You must define effectiveness before you measure it. I think that's really critical. I think for any organization that wants to develop their own in, in their homegrown leadership development program, I think they should go in defining effectiveness, number one, and then tailor that leadership curriculum around that definition of effectiveness. I think that might be a good way to start. I've dabbled in it a little bit. I uh, helped in my, my organization. We've we have what's called a Leadership Development Institute. And I've led some classes. I've sat in some classes. I've facilitated some classes. Were those classes effective? I couldn't tell you. I think it was kind of like what Barbara Kellerman said. I had people come up to me and said that was a great class. And then that was it. End of story. Was it truly effective? I don't, I'll never know. If you took a formal leadership training curriculum or course, what did you take away? What skills? Did you take away any tangible skills and what were they? Was it decision making? Was it how to resolve conflict? And again, if you took away skills to resolve conflict, I think the theory and the practice can often be quite wide between the two. 
how you resolve conflict in theory and then actually doing it practically in the workplace, it can be real messy in the workplace. Once you get all the different personalities involved, emotions involved, frames of mind coming into the conversation. Again, far easier, I think, in a controlled setting designed to promote the resolve of conflict, whether it's in a workshop or general course or whatever it might be. When should a small business begin strategically focusing on formal leadership training or should they at all? How long should they continue to rely on informal mentorships and development? How many of you out there have received your leadership training solely through being mentored and watching others lead through the eyes of a follower? I think most of us have accrued a lot of our conceptual knowledge of leadership through observation and experience. What warning signs would you look for in inadequate leadership development? When do you look at an employee who's in a leadership position and say, okay, I've seen enough. You either need to figure it out or I'm going to send you to a formal leadership workshop. And what are the chances of them going to a formal leadership workshop or a training course and coming back a changed person? All of a sudden the light switch hit and they're now effective. Or their leadership is now adequate, vice inadequate. When I think about that question, I just don't know how possible or probable that might be. If you outsource formal leadership training, and this could be for any size business, will outsiders tailor a formal leadership training to your small business needs? I talked about this earlier. But so many, so many formal leadership courses are very general. And I'm assuming they're general because they want them to transcend different industries. But again, I go back to the effectiveness of a homegrown, in-house, developed leadership course. What do you need within your organization? Who knows what better leadership skills and traits are needed within an organization than those within the organization? How is an outside agency going to know what your organization specifically needs? A final couple questions for anyone out there. If an employee asks you, how do I become a better leader? What do you tell them? What is your advice? Are you going to hand them a book? Are you going to hire a consulting firm? Those are my final two questions for anyone out there. And I'll say the final, actually the third question, are you just going to rely on the hands-on experience and mentorship within or surrounding that employee who's seeking more leadership knowledge, more managerial knowledge? Is it the mentorship and guidance within that organization insulating this person that can provide the best tools, the best training, the best advice on how to improve or sharpen their their leadership toolkit. Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. And of life. This was part two of formal leadership training. 
and informal leadership training, we'll call it that. I appreciate everyone watching. Thanks for your time. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.